Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode something or other, I don't know. I was going to check but I couldn't be bothered. So um, today we've got a uh, fantastic uh, special guest today again. Um, we obviously had quite a few of late, haven't we Johnny? I couldn't tell you because I'd be honest. I, I, I couldn't tell you because I wouldn't be listening. No, okay. Is it too much? No, just hold that roll. Okay. Yeah. Right. Just Harry, just nod and smile. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's those machines they ain't producing no fucking toilet roll. Yeah, nod and smile still. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I did hear that. Um, quick update, Johnny. What have you been up to? Just for the listeners, I know Mel Fudge has been. Uh, she's contacted me. Said she's been desperately waiting for you to come back on. I've been running and fixing a toilet roll, a toilet roll line. Well, finally, a kitchen roll line for all the nation's uh, ass wiping. Kitchen roll. Kitchen. <laughs> Johnny, you, you know you've made it when you can wipe your ass with kitchen roll rather than actually is kitchen roll cheaper than loo roll. That's what you put over your kitchen roll and toilet roll, don't we? So it's a lot more abrasive, though. Yeah. yeah. Ah, but very. What's <laughs> good? I was going to make the little, uh, what's the brand with the little first, uh, what they call them, first pockets or something, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it's very absorbent at least. Probably just means they, they've they embossed the paper, put loads more air in it, and basically charge you more money for less. Are you suggesting that people lie about mar- in marketing? Well, they don't lie, it's just they make it embossed as a pattern on it, but it's basically full of fucking air. So you're getting less for your fucking money. So we're allowed to swear on this podcast thing. Yeah, it's not parental advice. <laughs> well, it's parental advisory, but only when we, obviously when we don't swear. But we'll, uh, yeah, you can swear as much as you like. Just maybe Johnny's come out with a few. Uh, what's the worst thing you come out with, Johnny? We'll probably have listeners now messaging in saying, oh. "I remember this." There's the dildo comments, which was <laughs> hilarious. Um, there's been a couple of C bombs at least. So um, yeah, by all means, you can. I think our listeners like it. There's been a few uh, transsexual comments. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just Mel Fudge. Anyway, so moving on. So, um, have you got up to anything else useful? Uh, useful. I've, I've started investing again. Funnily enough, that's useful, I suppose. Not to the listeners. That's useful to me. So I've been listening to some uh, financial stuff. I was going to say, unless you've got any tips for people, they probably don't want to hear this, mate. No, there's no tips for me because I'd be telling you bullshit, really. <laughs> don't spend it all. Yeah, I, my, my my tip would be don't invest. Although well, that, if you invest for the long term, yeah. So now, for, now might be a good, a good idea to invest, but if you want to buy at low prices, but mm, what do you buy? Or? Toilet roll, clearly. Toilet roll is the way forward. Anyway, moving on because this is incredibly boring. Let's speak to our <laughs> guest today. So today we have uh, Harry Smith. Hello, Harry. Hey. And I see you're rocking that brand today. I'm sure Steve and Pascal will be very, very happy. I actually thought this was my weightology t-shirt and only realised when I got on the Skype that I was like, oh, oh it's the right one. Oh, no. Oh, no. Never mind. I'm sure, well, Steve, let's say, keep Steve and Pascal happy at least. That's it. It's, it's actually a contractual thing. We have to wear Revive Stronger branded clothing all the time. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I could see Steve being a bit militant, actually. Maybe yeah, sure that, that niceness is, Mr. Nice Guy is not, not really the case. No. Um, I just, I've got another question for you, actually, based on Johnny's comments about... Uh, not listening to our podcast do you listen to the revive stronger podcast when you're not on it i do but not regularly i kind of batch them 
when I've got nothing else to listen to. I'm a massive crime junkie, so I listen to loads of true crime podcasts, and I only really go back to fitness when I'm like, I've run out of all my, my feed of crime podcasts, yeah. Oh, what's your favourite uh, crime podcast? Um, anything, to be honest. I've got about seven on the go at the moment. Morbid's great. Crime Junkie is a good one. Um, Case Fire was pretty good, although that one's pretty scary. He goes into quite a lot of detail, and he's got a really moody voice, so I don't listen to that one in the evening. Well, yeah. bloody hell, didn't know that. Well, are you guys into that stuff as well? Uh, no, I'm. Well, I, it's probably something that I would be interested in, but I can't say I go out my way to uh, like listen to either stuff or even read. Um, I guess I've seen probably the odd crime Netflix documentary and stuff. Um, I do like like documentary or real life stuff rather than mm. kind of fiction. I am kind of more into it or less into fiction. So probably up my street, yeah. So when do you find the time? Don't, don't listen to anything about home invasion just before you go to sleep because you don't sleep. No, I can see that happening. Johnny, that. John, Johnny, you've got like a well, bat. yeah, you've got like a bat by your bed, haven't you? So, right up there. I got a dog downstairs, so if he barks in the night, there's someone outside. So, <laughs> bats coming out, isn't it? But then again, if you're in that situation, you don't know what you're going to react to. Fight, flight, or freeze. If you freeze, you're fucking at it. You're brown bread if they want to kill you, anyway. True. I would hope. I would hope the bat would go through someone. Because it's, it's either them or it ain't going to be the babies, put it that way. It depends how big the space is, though. Like, if you've got a really narrow corridor and you're trying to swing a cricket bat, yeah, it's not you'd happen. end up just poking with it, wouldn't you, if you're in a really narrow corridor? But there wasn't, a, there wasn't a UFC fighter recently who had a home invasion. He said like, he struggled to put him down because he was like off his head on something. So if you're thinking, if he's struggling to put him down, imagine he coming your house. You've got a problem. Who's Unless... That? Or through his eye or something, which you probably wouldn't do. Yeah, who knows how you're going to react? But um... well, again, everyone like to think they would do something, but it's like you don't know till you're in that situation, do you? Yeah. No, all, 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 all I all I really know, Johnny's crime is bad, so don't do it. It's probably reduced quite a lot now. There's lockdowns in uh, in. Well, according to Preeti Patel, mate, there has been a significant reduction in shop in shoplifting. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. That's not really a surprise, but okay. Anyway, we, we, we do bash the government enough on this podcast without, and bear in mind it's a nutrition podcast, it's probably not really a threat. Bashes the government a lot. How dare you? It's anti Boris. I'm not anti Boris. I'm not saying I like him either, man. I'm not anti Boris, I'm anti Cretin. You might like him a little bit more now. I think he's handled himself pretty well through the corona situation. I, I, I say we stick to nutrition, Harry, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm honest. Did you see his face? Look, you in disgust. <laughs> did you watch his um, thingy, the address just now? Yeah, I did, actually, yeah. yeah. It's okay. I, it's what I'm, I, saying, no, I'm saying it was nice and vague. Well, there is that, yeah. Um, obviously, the more details should be coming out tomorrow, according to him. But I'm all, like, my, my wife has already asked me questions. Does it mean I can go to the beach? Can we see the family? I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. So yeah, I'm like that with my girlfriend. I'm like, we were watching the same thing. I don't have any answers that you don't have. No, exactly, exactly. We had we had our uh, conversation yesterday, our announcement yesterday. We were different, you and we. I think we are doing better than you lot. Are you that different? Not really. <laughs> a little bit. We, I, all I can say, and again, this is a nutrition podcast, but hey ho, tangents, whatever. Um, I, I don't think anyone can argue we're not doing particularly well, given the government set their own kind of 
expectation of a good result of deaths and we've surpassed that quite considerably so mm, take that as you will I suppose um, shall we move on to actually something to do with what people might listen to although you could argue probably not nutrition advice on this one however yeah, they probably don't want to hear more about coronavirus anyway <laughs> no I, I think most people sit, put it this way how many of your client check-ins are mentioning coronavirus or mentioning of something along the line of getting bored of coronavirus uh, I'd say 50% of them are mentioning it at all and the other 50% are like saying I'm really fucking sick of this now yeah I think mo- uh, the majority of mine are saying they're sick of it or you know they or we actually talk about unfortunately politics rather <laughs> rather than anything to do with nutrition um, that's why they pay me clearly uh, <laughs> not true um, but yeah no I, I think we're all bored of it I'm bored of it I must admit um, I'm, I, I, the thing is a few people ask how you're doing in lockdown and I'm like well I don't really like people. I'm quite antisocial. Um, I really love consistency and routine. And I've got a garage gym, so to be honest, I'm doing all right. <laughs> I'm really, the same boat. Yeah, not, not really a problem for me. So I've actually got... Uh, income's pretty much the same, but I've got about 50% more free time than I had before coronavirus, yeah. so I'm and in prob- a really I'm, good situation. Probably less expenditure. Yeah, 100%. Hmm. As um, long as I don't online shop. No, no, no. Well, I've seen you've been buying some toys anyway, but... Um, We'll maybe bring those ones up for those dodgy websites you've been buying those toys from. <laughs> um, for those that don't know you, mate, do you want to give us a little bit about you? What you want people to know? Oh, what do I want people to know? I could keep it really vague and just keep it like a like an info form. Be like, I'm Harry. I'm male. I'm <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm Harry. I'm a personal trainer. I have been for how old am I? I've been a personal trainer for seven years now, and I've worked largely with people in person. And for the last sort of four years or so, I've been working with people online and that's gradually been growing to the point where I'm, I'm pretty much all online now, although I do still have a couple of, let me just silence that, a couple of um, in-person clients. But for the most part, I've focused on, um, to be honest, it's been fat loss and building long-term nutrition habits with people. That's what I've been focusing on over the last few years. And I'd say like, if I had not an area of expertise per se, but an area I'm heavily interested in and have heavily invested in. It's in muscle growth and getting people looking jacked and looking awesome. Is that because of your own experience or is there any other reason why kind of that is, that is kind of sticks out as something you're really keen on? Uh, it probably is from my own experience. Like when I was a kid, I was obsessed with superheroes before they even started making Marvel movies. I think I'd, and my dad was really into bodybuilding as well. So I think my male ideal from a very young age was someone who was quite muscular and quite lean. So I always, like, what's the word I'm looking for? I always tried to attain that from a really early age. And I think I had some body image issues as a teenager as well, probably not helped by the fact that my dad was jacked. And then that led to me going on my own journey of self-discovery and staring at a mirror for 14 hours a week whilst lifting weights. And then, yeah, then I decided that I liked liked it and wanted to help other people do it too it's probably not helped by the fact that as i'm sure you've heard enough times you might look like a certain superhero ever so slightly i i consistently deny it because i feel like the one time i admit it i don't know what happened like maybe (laughs) suddenly become ridiculously up myself or arrogant so i'm just going to continue to deny it and hope that yeah johnny johnny who do you think harry looks like thor Oh, well, short-lived. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, but a question here. Who looks more like Thor, you or Ben Mudge? Mm. I don't actually know Ben. I've never spoke to him. 
No, I haven't either, actually. But um, I would... I think he's more Jack than me, so I think he would we'd Ooh. have to give it to him. Ouch. Um, I suppose self-depreciating is a nice trait in people, mate. So um, there you go. <laughs> nice it question. is to an extent. You know, you get some people where you're like, oh, my God. It's constant. They're just you're like, yeah, just stop. shut up. Stop it. You're looking fine. Mm. Um, yeah, I've been told that, actually, that I'm quite harsh on myself. Um, shout out to Emily. She, obviously, oh, Emily uh, Malazaku, wacky, 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 whatever her name is. Um, she'll like that. Uh, yeah, she's, she says that I often put myself down. And I said it's because, for the reason you just said, I don't want people to think that I think a lot of myself, which is why I probably overcompensate the other way a bit too much. But I, I was, uh, I'm just told I look like Ronnie Coleman. Yeah, you do. <laughs> is that in the trouser department, mate? Or <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Have you seen that meme floating around? It says, um, the teacher says like, something like, you can't hear photos. And then there's just a feature of Ronnie Coleman with a barbell on his back about to squat. And I'm like, I can definitely hear that photo. Yeah. <laughs> Is it redemption on his videos? He's got he's like two thousand pound the leg press and he looks at the camera and goes, It's all pure natural strength. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Ross's quad veins are like pulsating at the same time, yeah. Yeah, so it's not, nothing to do with the five milligrams, is it? Five milligrams, five grams. Five grams a day. Really? It's probably nothing I don't know, probably. No doubt they all did a reasonable size dose. Well, funny enough, there's a there's a there's a very 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 old YouTube video. I say old, probably there's a video probably done in the nineties, and they're interviewing Ronnie. He covered his face, but it's clearly Ronnie, and they were asking what he was taking. And he right. said, and he said, oh, right, what he was. And I thought it's not that much. No. And then you think they are genetic freaks, and they so it's yeah. like don't need that yeah. much. I, I I know very little about the assisted realm um, or PDs, but um, I'd imagine, I guess, because like I said I don't know a lot about it, that there's only so much dose that's going to really make make it worthwhile. Like anything, you need mega dose, and you're never going to be a pro. Or yeah, Olympian. Because you... have you ever listened to um, any of the Evil Genius stuff? They do yeah. about this kind of thing quite a lot. If you're interested, I went, I went to one of their um, seminars, and it was incredibly interesting and eye-opening but i spent the whole time you know only like not even understanding half the stuff that's being spoken about and it was quite funny there was only about 20 people in the room and there was two rows of desks and the front row of desks was all kind of natty people like myself who just went there for like almost the way you, the reason you go to a zoo and then the back row was was like the most jack guys i've ever seen in my life like all just kind of sitting there like hoping to get tips and tricks and stuff and they basically said the same thing like They've worked with people over the years who have got to like IFBB pro level on barely anything. And they've worked with other people where they've dosed them up like Juggernaut from X-Men and they've got nowhere. It all depends on the genetics at the end of the day, yeah. as we know. Yeah. I think that that's... He says naturals are boring, doesn't he? He says, you're not boring, not interested. Only gear, only media things, doesn't he? The thing is, like, users, are, users are like superheroes. They're just so much funner, so much more extreme, like... Yeah. I like, think yeah. natural physiques like look pretty good in my personal opinion. If no. you, if you can talk about like goodness specifically, yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. I, I I mean, obviously, when you start getting to kind of that, certainly at the you know the top top class elite levels as well, like you know your Phil Heaths, your Rodins, those sort of people, they mm. they are just freaks, like for want of a, any other term. Like, so I can see why, especially like you know most women, you, you would say if they look and what what do you think of these physiques? Most people are like whoa. Like they just put off by it. 
I remember being ten feet away from Rich Piana, and I looked at him for about a minute. I said, "You can't be human. You're not a human. You're a freak." I, I met him before, actually. I went to Body Power ages ago, and uh, for some reason, he had no queue, and I was a bit too scared to go and queue up. I didn't want to be like a fanboy for some of the other people, so I went to speak to him, and it was one of the most awkward conversations of my life. Because have you ever been in a situation where, like, you shake hands with someone and they don't let go of your hand, and you don't really know what to do? You don't really know whether you should keep squeezing their hand or let your hand go limp. So I had this five-minute conversation with Rich Piana just saying like random things like, well, oh, your YouTube videos are cool and stuff like that. And then the whole time he was just shaking and squeezing my hand. And it was just like this. Like, and I was kind of like, I almost tugged back at one point and I felt like he resisted it. I was like, what the hell is happening here? Like, is he ever going to let go of my hand? He was just showing, he did, thank God. He was just showing his dominance. He was just expressing, expressing his dominance and his dominant nature. It's the biggest hand I've ever shook as well. Yeah, I bet. Like, it's what I'd imagine shaking a gorilla's hand to be like. Well, RIP Rich, but he was yeah. like a absolute giant. I mean, I've I've seen him at Body Power. I haven't, didn't speak to him or anything, but yeah, he was just ginormous. So, same thing. Like, obviously, a lot of yeah, assisted people when they've been using for that long and uh, training for as long as a lot of those guys have, like, they just it, it, it it's just unfathomable the size of the people and how they get and obviously it, I suppose it, it annoys not annoys me sometimes where people kind of that aren't into bodybuilding or that people that aren't kind of or, or into physique like sports or even kind of like physique development really in any way their kind of expectations of what's real and what isn't is so more mm-hmm. like warped sometimes it annoys me that people think like they wouldn't consider those people on drugs and stuff like that and it's like they're looking and think why are you so small it's like I think we all thought that when we first got into it, like a lot of the people who, if you'd asked me, how old am I, 26, if you'd asked me 10 years ago who my ideal physiques were, they would have all been assisted people and I would have been convinced that I could achieve that naturally. Mm. And then over like the 10 years or so that I've been training, it's the realisation of what's actually attainable changes your perspective a lot. I think it does for the better. But I think that's just because the thing that attracts you into the industry is like the supplements and the flashy photos and the magazines and stuff. And you have to be in the industry for a while and dive a bit deeper to find the real people and not just the kind of overproduced fake stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. So so obviously we uh, got you on to talk for a reason, Um, not just about PDs and what we think of... uh... Not that I don't know anything about them anyway. (laughs) No, I know. But the thing is, it's it's an interesting kind of thought thought experiment on the whole culture of it and um we did a really good episode actually with um steve cassidy i don't know if you know steve but he's um one of jordan peter's um yeah i know jordan yeah he's one of jordan peter's guys and uh he he's like obviously assisted or actually i don't know if he's anymore but he's he's been assisted for most of his life and he did a really good episode around kind of that that stuff and the culture and things so that's worth listening if anyone is interested in it more to go back and listen to his thoughts on that because um, yeah, I mean, it was for me. It's one of the favourite episodes I've done, just from hearing other people talk about it. Because I, like you, know nothing about it. But we did want to speak to you, and the reason I want to speak to you is because um, your kind of history as an in-person PT, um, with obviously the people that you, you, you're kind of working with, and the changes that you've now had to make in terms of kind of you and your business, I thought would be really like cool and useful to hear kind of how you've had to evolve both both aspects of that so kind of like your training but your business and then therefore kind of the training that you give out to your clients so i just thought that's a really cool cool topic to, to talk about so um just start with I, i'd like to know kind of like what was the biggest fear or kind of any reservations or anything that you kind of had from your clients 
where maybe they were scared or panicked about thinking I now can't go to a gym kind of what did you have any of that or kind of if so what did that kind of look like my the thing that I'm most surprised of actually going into lockdown was how amazing my clients were I know that sounds like something I would say anyway but I was I, I guess I was worried that my clients would be worried and what surprised me so much was that all of them just handled it so well they were all so cool about it no one panicked no one was like I guess panicking about what to do next or anything like that they were all just completely calm about it and were just like well I guess I'm gonna be training from home now and I was so almost relieved and in, and like I've said already like impressed at the fact that they they honestly they handled it better than me I think if I didn't have loads of clients I and, and my own garage gym I would have been freaking out about what to do and the fact that they didn't freak out kind of kept me sane to be honest because it made and I, I did make an effort to get everyone um body weight and band training blocks ready like before the lockdown even happens because it the writing was on the wall for about two weeks, wasn't it? So we knew it was going to happen. And I just got them all over and I just tried to be ahead of the curve. But yeah, they were all amazing, to be honest. So no one really panicked about not having any type of access to like commercial and air quotes equipment or, or unless people had equipment at home. That's what I found so surprising because I was, I was anticipating having to do a lot of like, um, you know, like putting out a lot of fires everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I didn't at all. Honestly, people were just literally like in all the check-ins. They were like, "Oh, well, I guess we're training from home now." Just really casual about it all, which is incredible. They handled it way better than I would. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's surprising to me. I guess, and I don't know whether I mean you can correct me if this is wrong, but the the perception of certainly like Revive Stronger's clients are very much kind of bodybuilding prep focused. Also, there's kind of this. I mean, you look at the way the likes of Steve is, etc., in terms of his kind of approach to consistency um, and his kind of mentality towards ticking boxes. I imagine, like, if that then breathes through to kind of the, the client base of Revive Stronger, and I, these might be some of your clients, I guess, prior to joining Revive Stronger, I don't know, but um, you would think they would be more concerned about not having access to gyms and things because, you know, that's what they're building their physiques on. Uh, we've always, I'd, I'd say about 50% of my clients are outside of Revive Stronger and 50% are with. But of the ones I work with with Revive Stronger, I've only got one contest prep client. We, we tend to attract people that want everything about bodybuilding except the creepy stuff like wearing a thong yeah. and painting yourself. Well, that's where I'd class myself, to be honest. Like, I may or may not do a show at some point, but I don't really care for the, the weird stuff. I like, just like the muscles. Yeah. But uh, anyway. You, you, were, you, were, you were prepping for a show, though, weren't you? Before? Yeah, but... It's, it's supposedly happening in September, but I, I'm pretty much yeah. No. I don't I don't care enough. I think surviving a pandemic is more important than being jacked and tanned. Yeah. But Fair. yeah. So the question was, oh yeah, did they have like a clients have a fear about kind of missing out equipment and stuff like that? I think that we do a really good job at Revive of, and I like to think I do with my own clients as well of making a point that the principles required for making progress don't aren't dependent on weight they're not dependent on metal they're not dependent on barbells and dumbbells like what do we need to do we need to do between like eight and 12 hard sets of work per muscle group per week we need to get pretty close to failure we need to train every muscle group twice a week those three criteria the one criteria for making any physiological change to or structural change to your muscles and none of those say you need to have a barbell you need to have a dumbbell and I think because we've done a good job of trying to educate clients, no one really panicked because they, you know, you can achieve those things with different tools, like body weight, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of like my next question. I was leading into that in terms of kind of key factors that you consider, like people would need to do to get a successful workout at home. I suppose, correct me unless I've misunderstood that, but you're basically saying there's some key principles that can be applied to anything rather than kind of specifics that, as long as they tick those principles, they should be a successful workout. 
Yeah, 100%. And uh, one thing that was really interesting about clients across the board was that everyone reported insane soreness for their first couple of weeks from moving from being what, training in the gym to training at home. And I think that's because there was a, a completely new stimulus. Like normally when I'm changing someone's training block or progressing it, you, you tend to change like one or two things at a time. Like you might change one or two exercises. You might just like the rep range or add a few sets, but you don't ever really change every exercise and every rep range all at once. So they were pretty brutal workouts. And it's only really now we've been in lockdown for a couple of months and I've done a few blocks with people that I feel like I'm really getting to grips with how to program body weight stuff effectively like that. Because I think to start with, I might have panicked and just thrown a, a crap load of volume at people thinking like, oh, body weight's not as hard as weights mm. and made them do like four sets of split squats. And then they don't walk for four weeks because they've done four sets of split squats. Yeah. I would definitely say from a program perspe- perspective, like the clients that I've had to then kind of provide alternative um, blocks for people based on either having limited or, or almost no equipment home have made me work incredibly hard and in trying to find variants. And it showed, I think it, for me, it felt like, oh, actually there's a massive weakness or a massive, not mm-hmm. weakness, yeah, weakness probably is the right word, massive weakness for me because I'm almost reliant on people having access to gyms. Never mm-hmm. had to obviously deal with it even as a, as a you know, coach before. So um I, I that probably aligns with what you're saying. So it's probably more fear for me than them potentially from thinking shit. I've got to come up with a, a decent block of training that's going to achieve the goal of whatever we're setting out to do. Um, especially bearing in mind that at the time, no, I didn't know how long this was going to go on for either. Which obviously we all, none of us do. So, mm-hmm. hmm. and you almost didn't want to throw all your big guns at someone in the first block as well, because you've got to think of not just how do we make this block hard, but you've got to think of the long term progressions as well. So that's why I made a point of not, say, doing like supersets and giant sets and drop sets and stuff all in the same block and kind of holding some things back and maybe not necessarily using the most challenging exercise variation immediately. Mm-hmm. Like maybe starting someone with a reverse lunge or something like that or Bulgarian split squat rather than a pistol squat and that kind of thing just because I was thinking like, how am I going to keep some tools back in case this goes on for three months, six months or whatever? Like, Yeah, sure. Um I just wouldn't mind revisiting. So the 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 if you want to go over the principles again, oh, yeah. of kind of what you thought, just because I think what I want people to be able, listening to this is to be able to take some of this away themselves and kind of apply them. So if they if someone's sitting there thinking, right, actually, I don't, I kind of got this gym plan which is like X, Y, Z, and now I can't do this, um, and I'm now worried that I've got no resistance to work against. What what can I do to apply the principles that you've talked about then, just in so they can kind of take it and make some of it more practical. Yeah. So I'll recap the principles. So to make, if your goal is um, muscle growth of some kind or at least muscle maintenance, then you want to make sure that you're doing the averages out across muscle groups, probably between around 10 hard working sets per muscle group per week. And you want to hit every muscle group at least twice a week. And you want to make sure that every set that you do is in close proximity to failure. So what I like to do with a lot of people is make them hit failure in their first set. And then that gives you, especially on new exercises, like some bodyweight stuff, hit failure in the first set. And that gives you your rep target for the subsequent sets. And then the way that you could use, and also we know that all reps grow muscle. Like research shows us that if someone's doing 30 reps to failure or they're doing five reps to failure, it's, it's kind of equally hypertrophy inducing. So you don't have to stress about doing 30 reps of Bulgarian split squats, although I'd be stressed about doing 30 reps of Bulgarian split squats. But as long as you know that you're take, <clears throat> taking adequately close to failure, so again, as, as long as you hit failure, you, you're pretty much golden on any exercise that you do. And find a way to make things harder as well. So again, like Bulgarian split squat instead of a lunge, 
Um, with press-ups, if you can do a billion press-ups, then try elevating your feet or elevating your hands to create a deficit. So that'll make it a lot harder. Um, weighted pull-ups and stuff like that. And there's a few pieces of equipment I'd generally recommended across the board to all clients to get before they went out of stock. And that was, um, a, I don't know what it's called, but have you seen the resistance bands that have a quip at the end where you can quip handles to it? Yeah, like a carabiner, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there was uh, a resistance band set I saw on Amazon and it had it had multiple different bands, but you could clip all the bands together at once if you wanted to. Do you have an idea of what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I recommended most people, if they had a budget of, say, less than 30 quid for equipment, I said go for that. If, and then as their budget went higher, I recommended more and more things. So the kind of top end, I guess, recommendation of equipment I gave to clients was one of the, a pair of adjustable dumbbells, you know, the ones that go from like two kilos up to 25 a uh, set of resistance bands and then a pull-up bar of some kind. And I think once you got that, you're you're pretty much good to go. And that even that is only about what, like 200 quid's worth of stuff, which is it is a lot. Like that was the, the top end budget. But I mean, if we're going to be stuck in this situation for six months or so, then I didn't think it was like a mad deal to ask people to do. And if they could only really get one thing, I'd say grab those resistance bands because there's a hell of a lot we can do for that, particularly with pulling stuff because that is what's hard to do if you if you're not able to do pull-ups or anything like that. I think, I mean, aside the issue of being able to actually get any equipment nowadays, mm-hmm. um, I think obviously bands are pretty versatile. I have had a couple of people say around how they don't like the kind of the strength curves on bands and how they work. I don't know if you've kind of got any th- thoughts on that. Yeah, um, it's a lot of playing around to try and figure out the right distance to stand away from wherever you're anchored to and things like that. And then also, I, I found though with a lot of clients, they report that pulling exercises feel great with bands. So things like, um, you know, like a moto row where you're going for like a lap pull, a vertical pull, that tends to feel great at the, the peak contraction, but there's not much tension at the band. So I've got a few people actually. Um, so as they pull back, they're leaning forward slightly. And as they stretch out, they're leaning back. So it's just, but I did a post on Instagram the other day saying whatever works. And it's kind of, that has been my mantra the last few weeks or so is when people were kind of checking in saying, oh, when I do this with my band, it feels better than when I do what you said. I'm like, well, do that. Right. It's been a lot of just saying, do whatever works, even if it looks weird, even if it might get people giving you funny looks, it doesn't matter. What's important is that you feel it where you want to feel it. Do you find this harder training at home? Because I find it really, really hard. Do like more? I'm like a, this feels like 100 kilos and it's like 20 kilos. I think I can't, this is hard work. Do you ever get that from your clients? Have they ever said this is a lot yeah. harder than training in the gym? Because the environment is totally, well, non-gymmy. Everyone has said, actually, that they're really surprised at how tough training from home is. Mm. Like everyone, as in every client, has said that. They're like, I'm so surprised how difficult this all is. I think it's difficult physically, but I think it's also difficult mentally as well. Like, I've got a garage gym and I struggle for motivation and I have no excuses at all. So I can imagine how tough it would be for some clients when putting a lot of effort into trying to be as motivational as possible. I feel like through the Corona kind of situation, we've moved away from being, I suppose, like actual coaches and much more towards being the, the, the accountability and the motivational side of coaching rather than necessarily the, the knowledge side of coaching. Sure. But yeah, training, it's like gyms when you go to different gyms as well. Weights always feel different in different gyms, don't you find? And the metal plates are heavier than the rubber plates. For they sure. just are. Even though they say the same thing on it. I, I was definitely going to say on holiday, I found that training on holiday, I've which I like to do, and I do every time I go on holiday, mm. um, 
I know some people kind of frown upon that type of behavior. You're on holiday. What are you doing? But to be fair, I enjoy it. So, um, but yeah, I found that a lot of the time again, then like I'll be working up to kind of usual routines and think, fuck, this feels heavy compared to usual. And I'm like, oh, I'm bench pressing 40 kilos. What's happening here? <laughs> Gravity is stronger in Europe, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. It Like, so and I don't know. I don't know whether that's, that could be a combination of things, whether it's environment, whether it's nutritional setup on that, because, you know, my nutrition's all over the place on holiday. Um, I tend to train first thing in the morning as well, so I've not eaten beforehand mm. and stuff like that. And I guess, like, the science would say, you know, full glycogen stores um, shouldn't be too much of a problem kind of going into a gym session and training faster, that type of stuff. But, you know, just all of it, I think that stuff does add, does add up and it can easily lead, like Johnny's point around now people being at home and different different routines and stuff. Um, you can see why it probably would affect a lot of people in terms of their performance or output, even if they do have, you know, like you and I, an actual home gym, which which doesn't change a lot. But mm. My weights in my home gym feel heavier than the gym as well. Mm. That's an interesting thing I've noticed about training at home as well. Like the, the ego completely disappears. Even when you thought it wasn't there, mm. it is definitely not there when you're at home even not using one it's like you just stop you, you stop and think about stuff from a sense of like say like well, you i feel like training to failure is actually a lot more realistic when you're at home versus the gym because you, you realize when you're actually hitting failure and you're not just doing bullshit reps that are just creating fatigue without actually giving you any kind of a stimulus like deficit push-ups the one that pressure uh, uh, can't speak failure sneaks up on you on those for sure you know that like when you've got like your hands elevated yeah and you're just doing press up like that. Whereas if you're in the gym, you might feel like a, a bit of an idiot for only getting five reps. But then when you're at home, you don't care, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. The, like the question I wanted to ask around, kind of ensuring clients will have a progression model. This, like, I the kind of the question, what you just said, kind of wanted me to ask around this whole kind of um, ego in terms of uh train to failure um and obviously kind of true failure and like you say not uh adding in a load of junk volume do do you in terms of like your because it's slightly off tangent so in terms of kind of your training at home then and obviously your your idea that you've now kind of your ego's checked a bit being at home because you've got no one impressed i suppose is probably the easiest way to describe it right mm-hmm. yeah um how do you how do you kind of ensure that you still don't chase numbers or I don't know if I've that question. So, I suppose to just give you the context of the example, like I guess it's easy to fall into a trap of even though you've got no under press, there's no ego, you still obviously have kind of got this idea that you need to be beating numbers from the week before and that type of stuff. How do you mm-hmm. kind of limit yourself from doing that and then basically overreaching or creating a load of junk volume or or just basically a load of reps that are just causing nothing but fatigue because you want to beat the week before? Is that is that expand that question very well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me personally, I don't have any spotter arms on my rack at home. That's why. <laughs> so I'm not going to attempt Dang, any crazy stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas, like, and and also, like, I've only got one set of J cups. So when I'm doing bench press, I'm like, I'm I'm extra vigilant on where I think is an appropriate place to stop. Whereas, it, when I'm training at the gym, I used to train clients in. It's a, a what's the word I'm looking for? A competition bench. So you know, there's like safety arms and stuff on it. So you end up failing and stuff like that but um when it comes to sort of training the way my clients would be when it comes to failure um i've been getting them to do a lot more form videos and send them to me than they normally would just to keep an eye on what it's looking like and then as you know like when you're doing body weight based stuff like body weight squats always look ugly don't they like because you haven't got a load to push against so i've just been paying a lot more attention to uh, making it clear to someone what the cues are with their particular exercise so let's say with a squat it's like i'd say you've hit failure when you can't 
maintain that upright torso for more than three reps rather than you hit failure when your legs actually stop working like that that kind of thing uh-huh. because i don't want it to turn into you know like those kind of reps that i'd make onto gym fails or something yeah. like that and just making it really clear what the criteria of good technique are for each particular exercise without breaking it down and making it really nitpicky like making it really clear like some consistent standards across all reps across all exercises even yeah yeah so do, do you kind of so you, you in terms of your program and you've obviously programmed a block of training how do you mm-hmm. prescribe then kind of what progression model are you using in that and how you prescribe in like your rep ranges and things um i'd say i use a triple progression model because there's there's three main variables that i progress with clients so that's uh, increasing intensity week on week so when i'm talking about intensity in the context of training i mean if we're in a gym it would mean increasing the load week on week but because we're not it's just increasing the proximity to failure so we're increasing the intensity week on week and i also increase the volume week on week and try to increase the reps as well because i give people rep ranges rather than specific targets for example i won't program someone to do eight reps or so program them to do between eight and twelve and i found with the body weight stuff i've been giving much wider rep targets so i've been programming say 10 to 20 rather than maybe 10 to 15 like i would have done previously yeah okay good yeah i was interested in how you would get away from like you said about intensity in terms of not having weight to in, to increase the intensity on the bar interesting to see how you then kind of then translate to someone that doesn't have any gym equipment yeah i've been doing if someone's got nothing and they're just working with body weight um, I've been using giant sets quite a lot and I know everyone has a different understanding of what a giant set is. So for me, when I say giant set, what I mean is um, I make I give someone a rep target prescription and that only applies to the first set. And then I'll say I want you to rest 30 to 60 seconds and then do another set to, to failure or to whatever intensity target I give them. So let's say it's the first week of the training block. I'll say I want you to go very close to failure, but don't, don't do those like uh, nosebleed reps. Just hold it back just from there. So you know like when you're under the bench and that kind of thing where you, you it just gets hard, you feel it burning in your pecs and you're about to go again and you think this one's going to be a grind, that's when I tell them to kind of cut it on the first week. But yeah, so they would do that. They would do that first set, say 10 to 20 reps of push-ups and then they would basically just kneel down, whack the timer on their phone. As soon as it hits 60 seconds, go again. And then the same again afterwards, as soon as it hits 60 seconds, go again. And I've almost found that the first set, we're almost throwing it away. What we really care about is the subsequent sets. Because we're using the first set almost like a pre-exhaust. Same thing with, say, Bulgarian split squats. We might do a set of 20 reps on each leg and then only rest one minute. And then we go and do another set immediately after and another set immediately after. And that's been working really well because people are getting nice doms. And some of the progress pictures have been really cool as well, seeing over the last two months of COVID. I'm sure you guys have had the same thing where people are still... I've still got clients who are massing like in a like bulking phase and doing really well. They're not getting too fat. They're growing a decent amount of muscle, which is awesome because now our toolbox as coaches has just got massively bigger because we were only prescribing our barbell dumbbell machine stuff and now we know that the body weight stuff can be can be effective we don't know if it's as effective like there's no way we'll ever know if those clients are amassing now would have grown more muscle if they're in the gym or not there's no point stressing about that at all but at least we know that press-ups can be effective um body weight split squats we, we always knew pull-ups were effective anyway but even things like inverted rows and stuff like that how creative did you get with exercise selection like things for like back if people have got no equipment like what sort of things will you do the the number one thing i've had provided the client and i know the client is strong enough to do pull-ups anyway is try and find some way to do pull-ups that doesn't involve ripping your doors off the hinges (laughs) 
because I know I've uploaded a video of me doing that and I knew I was going to get loads of shit for it. But uh, yeah. And then I had a few clients who are comfortable with it because stacking up like books and stuff under the door to support it. But um, for the most part, it's been try and find somewhere safely to do pull-ups. If you can't, then my go-to setup has been, uh, you know, like two dining chairs with, with high backs. And then, you know, the pole from the, like the Hoover, mm-hmm. you know, the, okay. you know what I mean? I don't want to call it, you know, like Henry's have like that, that chrome tube. Yeah, yeah, like the extension. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and then you, you put, so you set up the dining chairs facing away from each other and you leave a gap of maybe a foot and a half between them and then you put the Henry bar across the top and then your feet on the ground and then you can do an inverted row set up like that. That's been the go-to for a lot of people or a wooden uh, broom if they have that. I had some clients go to use one of those like crappy aluminium mop things. I was like, oh, I don't really trust that. That's probably just going to fold in half as soon as you put your body weight on it. So that's been my go-to with, with um, body weight stuff, to be honest, is giant sets on inverted rows. And um, if people have got, well, a lot of people have suspension trainers lying around from like Christmas presents they got bought years ago and have never used. I'd, I'd, I reckon 30% of my clients have got suspension trainers. So they've been massively useful. And I think my experience as a one-to-one PT in gyms with those has been invaluable now because I feel like I've got a massive library of exercises. Like I've got people who are, their training block could be entirely on their suspension trainer. But the only reason I'm not doing that is because I don't want them to get bored of the suspension trainer. Mm. Like that kind of thing. Have you found that, like how versatile they can actually be when you need them to be? What? Like TRX stuff. Yeah, 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 TRX stuff. Like, I mean, there isn't, I don't think there's any, there, well, there aren't any really movement patterns you can't do on them. Like you can, you can adapt them. Mm. Like you say, I guess the risk is if you only had that and you only used it, you would get bored of just seeing it or using it. But mm. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I was thinking just full stop in terms of, I, the, the, I haven't had to get had to get too creative with much exercise selection at all because there actually is so many good variants of body weight exercises mm-hmm. that you don't. I, like I've seen Instagram videos or or stories of people just coming up with some of the like craziest setup stuff, and most of my thoughts of watching them have been like, I wouldn't do that. Like I don't think my clients would do that because just it's the, the setup is just like an exercise in itself, trying to just get it set up. Just to yeah, try and get or, a movement pattern. I just, and I, I just uh, personally, I've just felt it hasn't looked like it's been needed. I mean, I haven't, I haven't struggled with to get enough um, exercise selection or enough stimulus for, well, from what I think anyway, for for any movement pattern so far for anybody to have to really warrant these really creative stuff that I've seen from yeah. other people anyway. No, I'm in agreement. Like I've not had to program sofa leg presses or anything like no, that. No, no, like I, or dog I, curls. I've never, I haven't done that yet. When people are curling, <laughs> I don't think it's very, very. Uh, what's the word? I was gonna say humane, but obviously that wouldn't be the right word. Uh, well, it it's feels, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've seen like I don't know what was it? I was watching someone do like a, tried to replicate a hack squat with a foam roller, a um, quite a large resistance band as well. And what else did they have? I can't remember. But basically, like trying to see them get the resistance band under their mm. feet and over their head while trying to balance a foam roller between them and a wall. Like this, there's other things you can do for quads or yeah, legs than, than trying to send four hours trying to set that up, and then like it feels so uncomfortable that you can't do it, you know. Because that's yeah. the other thing a lot, there's a lot of like people doing pull ups on doors. I think okay, pull and movements are quite difficult. I think that's what I found anyway. Pull and movements seem to be one of the more difficult to program at home without really any, any real equipment. Um, but like trying to try, trying to do it on a door where your just knees are bumping on the door constantly, or you know, just it makes it so uncomfortable that it then just lowers that adherence level, which is more times more important than what you're doing. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'm in complete agreement with that. That's one thing that um, I, one thing I made really, really clear to my clients from the get go about how to not get, not get kind of overwhelmed with the idea of training at home was to don't try and replicate your gym exercises. Don't try and replicate your gym machines and your barbell movements and that kind of thing. Because I think that's where a lot of coaches are doing a disservice to their client where they're saying like, oh, look, you can't do bench press, do this, or you can't hacks, do this. We want people the gym isn't available to you now. There's no point reminiscing over it and comparing your mm. foam roller hack squats and thinking how shit they are compared to hack squats when you could, like you said, just focus on doing a movement which is just a stimulative for your quads and actually isn't a hassle to set up. Mm. So like I haven't been getting people to do bench press with a broomstick and resistance bands or anything like that. I've been just do some fucking push-ups. They'll be at, like at least as stimulative as bench press will. And then why why go to all the hassle of doing? Uh, I've seen a guy using a skateboard to do a hack squat actually, uh, so putting a skateboard on the wall. And having been a skater when I was a kid, I know full well that that wall is going to have dirty marks up and down it now. And I, I I wouldn't expect a client to ruin their living room by rolling shit up and down the walls yeah, when yeah. you could just Bulgarian split squats or something like that. Like a banded Bulgarian split squat is is evil, especially when the band slips off your heel and snaps upwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen so I, most videos I've watched of people with these kind of like creative exercises at home. I do. I am expecting like a gym fail type scenario to happen, like a band pinging and hitting someone in the face, or like a. Seen so many fans hitting people in the back of the in the lower back that, and that you can just imagine that being so painful. Yeah, yeah. Or or like the door frames. I'm expecting the door frame to come off and then like just crash on the floor. And or mm. I was watching someone do. Um, some sort of bicep curl, I think it was. I can't remember now exactly what it was, but I'm just going to, yeah, it's context the same. A bicep curl with like a, I don't know, like a small broom handle and a band. To attach, I, could, I thought I can just see that snapping and the broom handle going straight in your face or something. And I just think like, oh, it just feels like the, the you know, people talk about the stimulus to fatigue ratio, like the danger to stimulus ratio is yeah, too no, high. That is, it's a legitimate thing to be concerned of right now with programming. Like, uh, I've, I've been, I have found myself actually saying that to people and I've, I've never had to do that in a gym, like ad- addressing the safety of an exercise, yeah. especially I've, I've been doing a few, um, virtual personal training sessions like over zoom and where someone is doing their setup of say an exercise I've programmed or I've say I've programmed a Bulgarian split squat and they have a barbell. So they're insisting on using it. And then I'm watching their kind of technique and I'm being like, look, like your, your risk of breaking your knee is is too high for you to do this with a barbell let's just go to the bodyweight variant and there's other things as well like um you know like slider leg curls mm-hmm. i've seen people some clients have been doing those on like their office chairs and then you're watching the office chair and just seeing it leaning a little bit too far over I'm like, I, I genuinely feel like there is a real concern now with not just the stimulus to fatigue but the stimulus to fatigue to risk of death when they're doing a particular exercise especially on door pull-ups and you know like i said when people are using something to do inverted rows on that is, was never designed to be load bearing at all I, I have found myself like reprogramming exercises based on me having watched the way they're doing something just like no nah, I'm, I'm not i'm not cool with that i don't want them suing me for well, my trainer told me to do it yeah yeah no i mean i think we're all this on it is especially people continue to make progress they will know if i miss a session in the future it's not gonna make a blind bit of difference because people do stress but they you know, i missed the gym today mm-hmm. I'm, I'm off for a week or whatever it's just going to show people that it doesn't matter if you, if you miss a session or two or for a week. It's going to make no difference whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I miss weeks all the time. That's my confession. I, I don't train deload weeks. I just feel like I need, for, for my mental health, I need the time out of the gym rather than doing a half effort session in the gym. 
And people were surprised at that as well. And they're like, oh, you do- that means like once every five weeks, I don't train for a week. So if you average it out over a year, there's 10 weeks I'm not training at least. And then there's holidays and stuff as well. I don't think it's that unsurprised. I think certainly for an in-person PT as well, like you must just get sick of the environment. Like being in a gym. Spencer's in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, are you talking about ladies there? I'm, I'm, I say I'm sure you're not single, right? No, I'm not single. No. I was thinking, did I say that right? Am I going to get in trouble later? Yeah, probably. I say it depends who's in there. Well, it depends what they're wearing, but. <laughs> No, I mean, like, in my commercial gym environment, like, the, the unfortunate thing about when you're working in a commercial gym is that you don't have control over who's in it. So occasionally there are just people who are, like, let's just say that Herbalife reps and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And they always want to make friends with the PT, and you're like, just go and get fucked, you're an idiot. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, like, there's always groups of lads that are just loud and, you know, just whatever. Like, I guess when you say you can't control the environment, then it can be quite frustrating or annoying. But um, I certainly was thinking you're insinuating depends if there's any hot women in there or not but i'm sure that wasn't the case by the sounds of it (laughs) (laughs) i've been concerned with attractive women for years basically as soon as i got into bodybuilding i I lost interest in the girls in the gym and only cared about training yeah that's that's pretty typical let's be honest it's like ah you know i'm gonna work out to get the chicks and then what really happens is you end up working out to meet other like yeah, attractive men. Guys squeezing your biceps <laughs> when you're training, not women. Yeah. There's, a, there's a CrossFitter, a really high level CrossFitter in our gym. She's good looking. I'm not looking at her. She's good looking. Thinking, Jesus fucking Christ, your quads are enormous. Yeah. And she's, she's like snatching hundred kilos. That's we have exactly that in our gym as well. And uh, occasionally, because members will be like, "Oh, yeah, I saw you checking her out," and I'm like, "I genuinely wasn't. I was yeah. impressed at the like." spot on olympic weightlifting technique in a commercial gym so you're standing there with like your jaw on the floor and then i, I feel like the people that don't really understand crossfit or weightlifting are just looking at you thinking like you're just staring at that girl because she's yeah. in good shape but i'm legitimately thinking like jesus i'd drop that on my head and die yeah yeah, yeah. Olymp- i think olympic weightlifting is probably one of the spectacles for want of a better word that just like impresses me so much i would love to be able to learn and put some time into to doing it but just because i think it's incredible and obviously incredibly hard but I'm just too scared to I think mm. well, my shoulder would break it's already broken so I'm breaking for you have to, I, I did it for a little while about a year ago actually you have to completely forget about the way that we train as trainers you are not looking to show your strength and you're not looking to achieve failure and those are really hard things to shift mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is it's like darts it's, you're just trying to Technique. execute perfectly you're not trying to stress anything out yeah oh for sure there's um there's a a a a lady or a girl in my office who is on like the team gb weightlifting um team and yeah and and like she she travels and competes in all the championships but um she like her legs are like for her she's quite quite petite quite small but her legs are massive like Mm. so for for those that think like you know you're talking about you don't train the way that we we would as I say we I'm not a bodybuilder but you know someone that wants to improve their muscle size like she's still improving her muscle size regardless you know and when you get but the, the mass comes with the time invested in the sport like when you look at um, high school weightlifters they're never jacked it's because it's the years and years and years of of uh, what's the word like years and years and years of of that technique and once the technique's down that's when they start getting to the point where they're actually hitting their kind of strength potential mm-hmm. for the first couple of years of weightlifting you're not lifting weights 
you're not testing your strength you're, you're just developing the, the kind of neurological pathways to actually execute the skill yeah so you can't yeah but then for sure like when you look at olympic weightlifters especially women i find i feel like the female olympic weightlifters have more impressive physiques than the male ones a lot of the time yeah just absolutely jacked especially yeah. like is it tia to me the the she's a crossfit champ as well yeah. and she also picked up a, a medal at the olympics for australia and there's Chinese weightlifters. Like, I want to eat whatever they're eating for breakfast. Yeah. Seriously. The, the Chinese dudes, to be fair, some of their quads are ginormous. Mm. Um, absolutely ginormous. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's oh, like... Yeah. I was gonna... It's not just their quads. Like, they're absolutely jacked. And they're quite famous in um, strength and conditioning circles for doing a lot of accessory work that other countries don't do. Mm. So a lot of their programming, they do things like barbell rows and stuff like that, that you don't always see with Olympic weightlifting. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on isometric training for kind of, well, hypertrophy or strength? But I, the reason that question come up is because there's a lot of it going around at the moment in terms mm. of kind of, I suppose something people can do at home without loads of equipment. Um, mm. What are your thoughts on it in terms of, is it efficacious or is it something that you program or use or do for, for clients or yourself? I think we have to remember the principle of causes hypertrophy, which is you fully contract a muscle and then you ideally fully stretch it under a load. And that load doesn't have to be an external weight. The load can be body weight. So I use isometric stuff quite sporadically. And I th I'm pretty sure the research shows it's effective for improving strength, but not necessarily effective for increasing muscle mass. But I do occasionally use it for a pre-exhaust. So if someone is, say, too strong to do a particular movement, like um, a variation I've added in for some clients this time around on their second or third sort of corona training block is, um, sorry, <coughs> got really dry mouth, no. doing a squeeze on their pecs before doing the press-ups. So this is the only time I've really, really used it is uh, getting them to spend 20 seconds. This is people who were stuck in a hotel. Like I had a couple of clients who were in uh, Kuwait just as the outbreak happened and they were all basically shuttled into hotels where they they were only given, you know, like the food the hotel was serving. It had absolutely no equipment except what they could get in the hotel room. So we were getting them to do like literally push your hands together and then squeeze as hard as you can until you feel your pecs burn and then start your set of press-ups. So that's the only time I've used isometrics recently. But when it comes to the gym itself i only use isometrics in a uh, a cadence manner so in reps particularly so like a, a say a one second pause on the chest on the bench press or when they're doing chest flies like a one second pause on a, on a cable fly at peak contraction pausing on rows and that kind of thing but it's never a relaxation it's always like an active pause but i don't know if you'd class it as an isometric when it's actually inside a rep itself i don't know any specific like wall sits or anything like that yeah um i'll be honest I'm not well read enough in that area of the literature to probably say what the definition is. I mean, my my thoughts would be, you know, is strict muscle holding rather than kind of going for any contraction or, um, but I don't know, maybe. I, I guess, I mean, by the by, I suppose what the actual definition is. Um, obviously, you've given some good examples of where it might be useful. So I, I, I found that I think, I mean, I don't, I don't really do it myself. I don't really, I've never really programmed it much with clients. Um, outside of maybe kind of some warm-up so i wouldn't really say call it a pre-exhaust because i wouldn't say it's getting to a point where i'm trying to exhaust people but i have found it maybe just gets people to be a bit more mindful um and yep. i suppose that just links in with the kind of the mind muscle connection type stuff in terms of just getting people to feel muscles understand what they feel like when they are being worked in and kind of focusing in specific like areas of biomechanics rather than 
you know, because like, you know, we, we joked before and like you said about you barely or rarely ever feel your back, say. Something I found like just really light, like a pull movement where they just hold it in like contraction as much as they can. So I found that that's just kind of got people's mind muscle connection improved. Yeah. I'm working with people in person. I use, you've kind of reminded me when I'm doing in-person PT sessions, I use isometrics all the time, particularly with, if someone says, Oh, I can't feel this exercise in the target muscle. Mm. I'll make them do an isometric contraction at, if it's a, say, uh, a dumbbell fly is a great one for pecs. When someone wants to get a great workout, mm. say like that's what they really want to feel their pecs. You just make them do like an isometric pause on the stretch of a dumbbell fly and their yeah. pecs will literally fall off and explode into flames after like two sets. But then when it comes to say like a lateral raise or something like that, even with a uh, body weight ones, I've actually used the lateral raise before getting people to hold their arms out, do, do like 20 body weight reps of say, like I guess that'd just be an abduction, wouldn't it? Mm. And then ro- rotate the elbows on top, and then drive them up. You can even try it now, and then drive. Keep rolling your elbows up and driving your uh, elbows on top, and driving your hands up, and you'll feel your uh, lateral delt contracting. Mm-hmm. Get them to do that for about 30, 40 seconds, and then say do a set of banded lateral raises or something like that. I have programmed that, and that massively improves the mind muscle connection. That's to be, that's to be honest, what I'd use isometrics for, just to improve someone's neural connection with a particular muscle. I've done it on biceps as well. Get someone to flex their bicep as hard as they can, and, and then go into a set. That yeah. kind of thing, because you end up it creates a groove for you to actually feel like bodybuilding specifically. It helps create that groove where you feel the muscle working, rather than just doing a movement and not really knowing why you're doing it. Yeah, I re- I would say that probably goes in a lot of you kind of that um, principle you said about whatever works, if that's the right mm-hmm. principle. In that, just I guess people certainly visually you would say like oh that's how a movement pattern should look and actually a lot of the time is because people's biomechanics are so different you probably need other techniques to find whatever works for that person because trying to cue them visually based on stuff i mean you must get this from online coaching i certainly do trying to cue people from online coaching based on on um videos and and kind of give them feedback on that is great but sometimes it's not perfect and you have to do other mm-hmm. stuff to get them to get find what works for them rather than you know, what you might see as an optimal kind of movement pattern or cueing. Yeah, 100%. That's why I, I often describe the feeling I want them to have when they do the set rather than the particular technique that I want them to use. So then that way they don't essentially second guess themselves constantly with their technique. Mm. Like I've got some clients who only do reverse flies with supinated hands and I've got other clients who only do a pronated hand. And then they one will say to me, is it right? Because I saw so-and-so doing it with supinated hands. And I go, if you fucking feel it, then yeah, it's right. So... Yeah, yeah. The criteria I want is for them to get the burn in the muscle. It's not for them to do it like this or for them to do it like that. And that's the same with me across all exercises. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I think that think that, that that exercise is a really good example where um, people will feel it differently. I mean, I, I who was it? Nippard, Jeff Nippard and someone was arguing about it the other day, actually. I saw that exact exercise in terms of some a reverse fly of some sort. And he was talking about it in terms of palms up or palms down. And... Um, I can't remember what basis he used, but I think he said like basically biomechanically we'd expect it to be um, better connected one way, but like the EMG research, and I know that, you know, take that as you will in terms of how valid you think EMG research is, but it was kind of like pointing that should be the other. And he said without that, you wouldn't have known which way might have been best other than, I guess, unless you're asking people what feels better. But mm-hmm. I guess there's going to be plenty of exercises like that. Um, I'd be interested. 
that do some EMG stuff just because we've all got our favorite exercises and usually the reason it's a favorite is because we really feel it in the particular muscle. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to know if the EMG actually lines up with our own perceptions of an exercise, but that's a tangent anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, as in so as, I expect as, that it would. Yeah, so as in if you could kind of do some EMG measurements on yourself while you're working out on your favorite exercise, would they align? Yeah, yeah, it would be interesting. What is your favorite exercise? Smith squats? Depends. No, definitely not. That's <laughs> joking. I thought Andrew Andrew uh, Catley would love that. He loves a good Smith machine, doesn't he? Yeah, I'll, Andy, you'll love this. I've uh, to, to boost my training motivation. I've actually switched my barbell squats for Smith machine squats, just because it, it sounds really silly. But I'm not massively strong by any means. But I'm just strong enough that squats are really fucking hard. Mm. And then the fact that you know that you've got a squat session makes you just feel like ugh. So by picking a Smith machine squat, I know that I don't have to use as much load and I can, it almost, you, you're, you can let your, it doesn't require as much mental focus to execute the movement because when you've got a heavy barbell on your back, there's so many different things firing and stuff like that. Like it can feel really exhausting. You even know the difference just by the session duration. Like if you have barbell squats in a session, that session is over an hour long no matter what. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were to say switch the barbell squats for a leg press, you could probably get the, the leg session done in under an hour. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If we're talking in a gym, for example, yeah. Yeah, I I can find myself sometimes doing, you know, on a on a a later week in my um, mesocycle, so towards my overreaching weeks, I might find myself only doing like four sets of squats, and that take. And I've looked at my watch, and think I've been an hour and ten minutes. I've done four sets. Mm-hmm. Especially when like I've only really got one training station in the garage, so and my girlfriend likes to train at the same time as me, and then they're waiting on the rack and. That that's bad. Like you think it's bad when you're in a commercial gym when someone's waiting on the thing that you're using, but when there's only two people in the gym and the other person is literally just like mm-hmm. <laughs> just watching every move you make. You've got fifty percent of your gym waiting for your squat rack at one point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'd, it'd literally be the same as you being in a commercial gym and there being like fifty people just staring at the back of the head while you're squatting. <laughs> uh, uh, John, have you got any more questions, mate? Anything Do you for... think any of your clients will? Uh continue to home workout maybe not go fully home but we'll continue or we'll add it into their routine when usually they probably wouldn't i i think that i can think of at least four people that will stay at home 100 percent because they've realized that it actually works so much better for them training at home and uh i none of these are revived clients actually so none of them are clients with like a a massive muscle building goal they're they're more like they want to get in good shape they want to maintain a reasonable lean condition and they're realizing that well they have realized that they can do it from home really effectively like one guy i have in mind uh i'll I'll send him this actually this podcast so he can listen to it he is really really busy he works in a school he's like a head of year or something like that and he's always trained super early in the morning like he gets up at like 4 45 or something crazy but because his job, you know, I don't know if you're a teacher or you know teachers, you know they have to do like every hour under the sun basically because of marketing and stuff like that. And he's realized that he's getting two hours extra sleep training at home and he's still getting to work on time even though work is remote. So he's like, yeah, 100% he's going to be training from home afterwards, especially because he's invested in some equipment now. So he's got some dumbbells and some resistance bands. Yeah. We can definitely, because he doesn't want to be Ronnie Coleman, we don't need to have Ronnie Coleman's toys Fun, basically. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. That's that's fantastic. And I think a lot of people will probably take the same approach. Yeah. Because I, I find it, I find it good training home. We just nip, nip down the garage. You don't have to drive anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the baby goes to bed at seven, just go straight down. So you don't have to go anywhere. It's, it is easy. Yeah. I think, I think like you, 
Sorry, mate, go on. I've cut down on my washing massively since training at home because I don't wear a t-shirt anymore. When I'm training. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found mine was opposite. I used to wear like more stuff because I trained more often. <laughs> so I had to do more washing. Um, I was going to say, I think um, people like, you know, like me and Johnny got kids. I think when you have kids and you try to still um, kind of keep up some consistency in training, I think the time saving that you can have for training at home is like the most precious thing. And the massive positive influence it's going to have on your kid as well, like seeing how important exercise is. Yeah, oh, in, for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my little one's not even, well, my oldest is not even three yet, and she's all the time saying things like, Daddy, are you exercising? Can I come and exercise? Or, um, like, she'll want to come in and watch me train. Like, and obviously, I have to kind of tell her she can't, but she'll just want to stand by the door and have a look in the door and just watch me train, or she'll sit in the garden while I'm doing it. So, I'm hoping it you does. Have to get those kiddie like barbells you have to get one you know yeah, the i've seen it i've seen it she she watches this thing on youtube um oh it's like a pretend play show with like you know a couple of like parents basically force forcing their kids to be filmed on yeah. playing with toys and one of them had this like little foam like yeah almost gym set like a bench and barbell and stuff and i was like wow it's amazing i said i'm definitely gonna have to try and find that somewhere <laughs> nice, yeah. that's fantastic um to my parents for that because they were like, my, like I said, my dad was always lifting weights even when I was really young. Like I didn't know, and it wasn't until I was like ten I realised that not everyone's dad lifted weights. Yeah, just on that. So before we, before we wrap up, I'm really conscious of your time, mate. You've been so generous already. Um, do you do you think? So you mentioned around and the, the kind of whole body image issue in terms of like, oh, maybe I had some yeah, some body issues. Image issues. Uh, we one hundred percent. I reckon I only got over them when I was maybe like twenty, twenty one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we. I think a lot of us are in the same boat. I would say the same would apply for me. Do you think any of that might come from, like, having parents that kind of exercise or or kind of focused on physique and stuff like that? Or um, it could be, it could be for sure. Like, I, I've explored this myself, like, kind of in my own head a few times. Like, I wonder if that was anything to do with it. But my dad was never anal about anything. Like, he never. It was bodybuilding, but in the old school sense, like, it was body. It's no nutrition restriction of any kind with him. It was all about. If anything, it, it made it made it harder for me to be lean because the eating environment I'd always been in was you got to eat all the protein, you got to eat all the veggies, you got to finish your plate because you're eating to grow. So I had that side of things. It wasn't so much the neurotic like nitpicking and tracking everything. It was it was the other end of the spectrum. It was like you want to grow muscle, you need food. Like so, yeah, I probably struggled with it from that sense. But I think a lot of my body image issues came more from just um, stuff unrelated to my parents. To be honest, it was probably just yeah. school. I only really ask questions because I guess as a parent, that's something I'm conscious about. Like um, it, being being a parent is an absolute minefield. Like especially when you're a nutritionist, that yeah. obviously everyone now expects your child to eat a certain way or expect you to have certain. Like Johnny, I don't know what he, like, obviously he's like with his with Eliza, but like you you can't control the nutrition for not 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 that you should either because you, you certainly shouldn't. Obviously that. I think that there's enough research out there to show that obviously if you're trying to if you're too restrictive or try to control children's um, nutrition throughout their adolescent years, it it has uh, worse outcomes on the whole mm-hmm. compared to those that don't. So, kind of like you shouldn't be doing it. But people expect like, oh, your child eats chocolate, does it? I'm like, yeah, my yeah. child eats like three Easter eggs a day at the moment. So don't forget of- people apologising for their kid eating something that's not a whole food in yeah. front of you. Yeah, it's like parent care. <laughs> that- I'm I'm the the trainer and the nutritionist of the family, so like I literally have it. People give their kid like I don't know Haribo or something. They go, oh sorry. I'm like, what do you mean sorry? Like, <laughs> yeah. what do you think I'm gonna do? <laughs> Just smash it out of their hand. Yeah, smash out of their hand. Sorry for not giving me some. Yeah. Yeah. But, 
No, they did. I did. I mean, there's definitely other parents that feel like they have to say something in front of you mm. to say to, to kind of almost justify like what they're doing. It's kind of like I don't care. My child's just as bad. I'm not saying I like what my child do, but I'm very conscious that I certainly don't want to be controlling or restricting behaviours at this age because it's just going to have worse outcomes in in the longer term. Um, I would rather. I mean, I I know we've kind of gone off on a tangent here, but I certainly go on a kind of a more an inclusive type of arrangement where I just try and encourage as much good stuff as I can. But inevitably, anything that tastes good, they want more of that. So she ends up wanting chocolate all the time or sweets. And yes, I, there are some times where I try and limit it. But to be honest, most of the time I don't even say no because I don't, I'm really conscious of just constantly saying no to certain foods and then creating a stigma yeah. around certain foods. So yeah, hence she's having three Easter eggs a day at the moment. So Yeah, with my nephew, he's six and uh, he can't get enough of fruit and i feel like that's really interesting because when you leave him to his own devices he does seek sweet things but he he seeks things like fruit and stuff yeah. like that he doesn't necessarily seek haribo unless it's available yeah right and uh I, with him i just ask him stuff like I, I don't get involved in any way in in his parenting but i just say to him like he's called alfie i'm like alfie what what's a healthy food and then he'll say a food and I go, what's an unhealthy food? Because I'm just testing him to see what he's been taught in school. And he'll say something and I go, no, 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 there's no unhealthy foods, mate. All, all foods are good. It's just some foods have a lot of nutrients and some don't have as many nutrients. And I just cry, kind of reinforce that every yeah, now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably good. That's one. the only thing I don't really like about the nutrition he gets taught is it's quite black and white. But I know kids understand black and white very yeah. you, I'll easily. be honest, you find that with with clients we've we've got we've had conversations around our our coaching around the uses of terms like clean eating and other stuff and mm-hmm. i actually as much as it gets a bad rep in the industry around that type of stuff you have to meet clients where they are sometimes and like sometimes that is they understand what clean eating means like if you say you know eat most of your meals as clean foods like that mm-hmm. they, they understand what it is yes it doesn't mean you don't explain what you mean in terms of why you're using the, that phrase and why there's some some issues with it but uh, yeah, I I think sometimes the industry just like everything just has to go to the extremes on things and and, and kind of yeah. nitpick on on certain stuff. But hundred percent, just got to eat clean and train hard. That's it. That's all. <laughs> we start start. We'll end this podcast how we started. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, before you do go though, mate. Um, big thank you for me. Uh, it's been really really useful. I'm sure the the guy. I mean, I've I've I kind of picked up some stuff. So I'm sure obviously everyone listening. Well, so I'm sure. I hope everyone listening also will. Um, but. We'd also like to ask some non-nutrition related questions, just for a bit of funsies. So yeah, let's um, go for it. Let's Thanks go. for having me on as well. No, you're welcome. It's been it's been really good. Um, these are reasonably funny questions, but you know, we'll see. it depends what answers you give, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with, and I I think you're going to I think the answer you're going to give to this one is probably. I was going to say what I'm expecting, but then that sounds really dumb thing to say. So I'm just going to answer the question. What is your favourite protein bar? Mm. do you know what i used to be really obsessed with protein bars all through what i'd call my training kind of career and the last year or so i just haven't eaten any at all i completely lost interest in them because i, I reached the point where I, I took them out of my diet just because i used to buy them in bulk and then i decided i couldn't be asked with the hassle anymore mm-hmm. and then i didn't have any for a while and then when i had them again i was like you know what like for 200 calories i'd rather just have a chocolate bar like yeah. it's almost like a, a worse version of a chocolate bar but I am partial to Jaffa Quake carb killers, though. Okay. I think orange is one of the, the most heavenly flavors on the planet. Not that I believe in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jaffa um, Quake. I'd, I'd say, yeah, Jaffa Quake. I thought you were going to say, I don't eat protein bars, what I thought you were going to say. I don't know why. And I'd be honest, I don't think I, I even. I kind of did say that, didn't I? Yeah, yeah I don't really eat it honest yeah that's what i don't know why i don't know if i even knew that or if i just thought i, I think you're probably gonna say actually do i, I just don't ever really have them 
but and yeah, you, you kind of did so. But yeah, they're right. Quite they're they're way better bars than that though. Let's be honest. But salt. The, but what, what would your favourite be? Ah. Uh, oh. Birthday cake will killer for me. No, I thought of it. I thought, I remembered it. I remembered what my best one is. Have you ever had a Met RX? Um, I can't remember the called the Met RX Power Bar or something like that. Colossal, a, Colossal One Thousand. Maybe that might be it. It's or like a five hundred calorie protein yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the salted caramel pretzel Met RX um, meal replacement bar is is amazing, but it sh- fucking should be because it's like a mass gainer bar, not a protein bar. Yeah, I can't. And it's like it's like it's the size of a like a house brick as well. Yeah, I can't say that I've had that flavor, but I did. I've had a few of those bars. I remember once I did a Tough Mudder and they sponsored the event. Uh, so they yeah. were giving them out like, th- and I remember thinking I must eat like four bars on the way around. You know, it's like, well, I'm running like 12 miles. This is fine. And I was getting back. Like, yeah. yeah. And I did the same thing. I was putting, um, I had no pockets. I wore those like, you know, those tight running trousers that anyone with quad definition wears because they want to show off their quad definition. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they didn't have any pockets. So I literally filled my underwear with Skittles. And it was so funny because the guy I was running with, the first five miles or so, he was like, I'm not eating those Skittles. And we hit like mile 15 and he's like, give me some of those fucking Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I stuck some down my pants and they just got soaked in mud. Like these bars are like just like, squidgy and full of mud. I was like, nah, I'm not going to eat these. Especially when they're giving yeah. out everywhere. But yeah, I think I consumed about 2,000 calories in like four bars across the run on that. I was thinking, yeah, I probably didn't even burn that much running it off, let's be honest. Yeah, probably didn't go for a ship. <laughs> actually to be fair i don't think i had any adverse effects so maybe not that high fiber <laughs> but it needs to be that high fiber when i guess they are massing bars but mm. um barbell or smith squats or um say again what about them pick one barbell or smith squats oh oh uh, yeah um... <laughs> you know what i like the look of a high bar back squat like Olympic weightlifting style, I think they look awesome. But a Smith squat is just something that I can still bring myself to do, even when I can't be asked to train. Whereas when I'm in one of those moves when I can't be asked to train, a barbell squat's going to be the last thing that I do. So I'm going to say I'm 50-50, but if it's a bit cloudy outside, I'd go Smith squat. If it's nice and sunny, I'd go barbell squat. Okay, good answer. I find Smith squats very taxing on... on a- on an upright Smith, I don't like the the sort of slightly inclined uh, Smiths yeah, because yeah. there's like you only feel good in the middle bit of the range. At the bottom, you feel like you're being crushed, and at the top, you feel like it's too far away from you. Unless yeah. I'm standing in it the wrong way around, and everyone's going to message me afterwards and tell me I'm an idiot. <laughs> I so here's a funny story on a bit of a tangent, but um, another gym fail of mine in a hotel gym in Wales, um, just outside of Cardiff. Um, shout out to Carl Davies actually, who uh, I found out after being there. Bear in mind, I'm from Norwich, which is the complete other arse end of the country. Um, he PTs at that gym on the weekdays. This little hotel gym that I was in, like a, almost like a golf club hotel, um, which is like so random. But anyway, um, I was in this uh, Smith's machine because I was like, there's no barbells. I said, like, it's this Smith's machine. I was like, okay, brilliant. And um, un- unracked it, kind of, sort of went to, to kind of squat it. Didn't realize it was on like two. I've never seen a Smith's machine like it, but it's got two hinges or two oh, like, runs. So access down, yes, backwards. Basically. Oh, yeah. What like what the fuck? Nearly just fell over with it with it on my back. Thing just didn't expect that. I thought there was going to be some stability here in terms of the the rails. <laughs> didn't happen. So yeah, I thought again one of the moments looking around thinking, please no one saw me. It was just it must have been I don't know ten old age pensioners in there just looking at me thinking what the fuck did he just do? <laughs> I, I revised my answer actually because there's a particular type of Smith machine I don't like and I've encountered that on a holiday before. 
and it's this mish machine that helps your eccentric. Have you ever used them? No. Uh, you can so. you can have a hundred kilos on the bar and let it go, and it just goes. Yeah. Oh, right. Like yeah. That. I thought most yeah. mis- I thought most machines like that. Though. They there's obviously some resistance. The one I've got in my garage is 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 got no assistance at all. It's just got basically it's just rails. It's just a bar on rails. That's all it is. Oh, okay. Whereas yeah, that one I remember using it on holiday trying to do hack squats, and I literally had to slow my negative to like five seconds because otherwise I was going down faster than the bar was. Yeah. Yeah. And it made that like whistling noise as well, like as it, it must have been hydraulic or something. Like yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question. If you uh, had to make a house out of one food, what food would you pick? Mm. Depends if you're dieting or massing, doesn't it? If you're massing, you can't stand the sight of food. Whereas if you're dieting, it's like, how do I choose? Uh, to be honest, hmm. Are you not going to consider structural engineering of said house? or? I used to be an engineer before at PT, actually, so... I should, probably should consider that. Yeah, just depends on whether you're going to at the angle of just whatever you like to eat or what would actually make a Can good we, house. Does it have to be one particular food or could you choose like one food group? No, one food. So it's not like I could just choose Cadbury's. I have to choose like a particular yeah. type of Cadbury's. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I go Yorkies because they're quite brick-like anyway. I know they're not Cadbury, they're Nestle, aren't they? But yeah, I'd go Yorkie because that could probably be, have a decent amount of structural integrity provided we're in the Northern Hemisphere. If we're in the Southern Hemisphere, you'd be fucked Smell. using Yorkies. Yeah. Unless you use the, the one with biscuit and raisin because that'd provide, that'd be like the, the rebar inside concrete. Mm. Good thought process. <laughs> Enjoy <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I'd go Yorkie but the biscuit and, and raisin one. Um, last question. This is, this is the biggie. So um, would you rather be attacked by a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? A horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses. I, I have a funny story about a duck. Have you ever tried to catch one? No, funny enough. I, I volunteered in an animal rescue shelter and I had to catch the duck because the duck needed its medicine. And I swear this duck was fucking with me for about an hour and a half. It was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was catch a duck that couldn't fly. It was it, it like kind of scuttled away from me just quacking. It'd get about 10 feet away and stop and look back. And as soon as I got up in a foot of it, it'd be like, and then like waddle off again. And it literally was like a cartoon. I was chasing this duck around a paddock for honestly about an hour and a half. And then the only reason I, I managed to get it was because it literally just just flapped up into my hand. I felt like it was fucking with me that whole time. And then just thought, ah, you know what, I'll, I'll let him catch me. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, I'd probably go with the, the hun- no, I'd go with the big duck, the big duck sized horse. I'd want to see what that duck looks like. And I want to tame it and then use it as my personal transport because we're not allowed public transport anymore. So. How cool would that be, a giant duck? It's pretty much a dragon when you think about it. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen a duck um, breathe fire. But then I've never seen a dragon breathe fire. So, <laughs> look at it that it's way. getting into quantum mechanics stuff. Like, <laughs> if you, does it really happen? Does it even exist until it's measured? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this is beyond me. Um, I'll go with the big duck. Okay. Good. Right answer, I think. Although there isn't a right answer, but I always say that the horse-sized duck, I think, is the right answer. Only because I think if you're trying to fend off 100 tiny horses, even though they're small, like the size of ducks, they are incredibly stocky. Like, have you ever seen, obviously, well, most people have seen horses, I guess, but like a horse um, in person, they are incredibly muscular. And I'm, I imagine, like, they're, like, very small, like, muscular dogs running at you, but obviously horses, so... Have you seen John Wick 3 when he uses the horses to beat up all those guys yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't want those ninja horses are they ninja horses or normal horses don't know johnny <laughs> big and ninja horses 
then definitely the dark side horse. <laughs> right, mate. Thank you so much. Um, it's been been really good. Thank you. Do you want to um, just shout out your uh, socials, Instagram, whatever? Um, whether you've got any client spaces, if anyone wants to work you, stuff like that. Um, yes. Yeah, so my Instagram is where I hang around the most, and I changed my name recently, so I'm just trying to remember what it is. It's at trainerharry underscore s, and the link in my bio is where you can find all the information about working with me. If you want to work with me online specifically, then we do that through Revive Stronger. And if you want to work with me in person, then just tap up the website. You can't do that now anyway, can you? Because the coronavirus. No. So, yeah. Well, never know soon. Depends on what Boris's uh, announcement actually entails tomorrow. I don't think it's going to include gyms, I wouldn't imagine. But no, um, they're not. That's not until June or July at the earliest. They said something like that. Yeah, I'd imagine. Right. So. If you want me to watch you creepily through Zoom while you work out, then hit up the link in my bio. And I don't wear trousers. All you see is my t-shirts. <laughs> Um, that does sound quite creepy, um, <laughs> albeit quite realistic as well. I've got pajama shorts on now. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't mean specifically you. As yeah. in, I just meant as in that's kind of like your online PT now. I don't. I'm sure like, most online PTs, those that are online PTs and listening, have had the same issue of being in public, kind of doing some work in air quotes and thinking, hmm, maybe I shouldn't show this on my laptop right now. Yeah. <laughs> You've got like women in their underwear or like dudes in just a pair of pants. You're like, hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll uh, maybe save this when I get I think, home. Okay. My girlfriend just walking in constantly because she wants to talk to me and she's just not getting dressed properly anyway because she's working from home. So you find yourself, you know, muting Zoom so all your client sees as you're going. <laughs> yeah. Like that, like. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Well, thank you, mate. It's been brilliant. It's been fantastic. And um, Thanks for having me on, guys. No, you're more than welcome. Thank well, you. um, hope you catch up soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.